Welcome back to Focus. I'm Ron Sisko. In keeping the tradition of the um, very strange influences of uh, of the podcast, what, 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 this one kind of inspired me while we were watching television. And uh, strangely enough, British television. I can say definitively that the single best British competition show that you're not watching is The Great Pottery Throwdown. If you're familiar with The Great British Bake Off, then pretty much you know the premise, except instead of baking, it's pottery. And I would actually say that the show itself has a better head on its shoulders, uh, rather than having two um, bakes that have to, they have to be judged for, uh, and then one technical challenge that just doesn't make any sense in the grand scheme of things, because it really feels like the technical challenges themselves are not connected to anything. Uh, these, these home potters, amateur potters, I guess, uh, show up, and they work on one large project three times for the episode and then there's like a technical challenge and then there's like a, a stranger um, design challenge I guess and honestly on its own head it's not that impressive of a show especially since American television has kind of taken that great American bake-off formula I guess they've, they've, they've taken that they've adapted it and it's it's not just uh, the bake-off formula itself it's it's kind of uh, moved on to other things like uh, whatever it is that that uh, Ron Swanson and um, and Leslie Nope are doing right now. No, the the, the thing that makes the show special are the uh, the judges, Kate Malone and Keith Brimer Jones, who are not not names you would know unless you're really into pottery or um, china, you know, plates, ceramics, th- those kinds of uh, appeals, which. Anyone who knows me knows that I am not. The dichotomy of the two is pretty incredible. Kate has a very, um, God, this sounds mean. She's got kind of an art teacher aesthetic to her. And when she speaks, it really feels like she's coming from the place of a person who wants you to understand the the technical side of everything that's being done. Uh, her appreciation certainly comes from the design side. And, um, and it's just, it's kind of delightful to watch her talk about things and con- uh, contrast from a logical standpoint, Keith Brimer Jones, who is, um, emotional. What we didn't know getting into this was that Keith had had a reputation. And specifically the reason we didn't know about this is because we didn't watch the first season. Uh, what we'd watched was presented on YouTube. And so the first episode of the first season was zoomed in very tight and it was very difficult to kind of see what was going on, so we just didn't bother with the first season because season two, episode one, was available, and it was very clear and and uh, in the correct proportions. We met the new Potters, and they were all interesting and kind of uh, amusing in a way because they, they definitely come from walks of life uh, that don't necessarily... would le- They wouldn't lead you to believe that, that they're necessarily Potters, I guess. Uh, excuse my phrasing of that. One one person was a um, uh, an MMA fighter. Um, another person is uh, I think he was a construction worker. There were other people who were you know stay at home moms. Okay, sure. There was an art person. I, I, she seems like a legacy art person. I think that her father owns an art studio or something. So it certainly makes sense that she's a potter. But then um, one person is a, a professional model, and the other one's like a. a a Quaker, I guess, was the defining characteristic that she gave. I'm not sure she even gave a, uh, an employment 
to go along with that. So I'm not sure what she does professionally. If she does anything, maybe she's just, just out of school. She's very young. No, the, uh, the, the, main, the main quirk to this show is that uh, Keith Brimer Jones, or KBJ, as he's uh, abbreviated a few times, is so passionate about pottery that he'll cry when he's trying to describe what it is that he appreciates about someone's work. And, and it's kind of a beautiful thing to witness. I know that there were memes about it, if you're British. Um, the show is now on More 4 instead of BBC2. Not that that matters to anybody in the, in the Americas, but if you're British, there were, there were memes about it. People, people were talking about him drop, crying at the drop of a hat. And in, in a lot of ways, making Keith Brimer Jones cry is like, it's like the, the Hollywood handshake of the great pottery throwdown. One of the things you may not know about this podcast is it actually started as the brainchild of, uh, of, of kind of a podcast um, a, a contest, I guess. They were taking auditions from people about what their podcast would be. It was some, supposed to be some sort of game show of a type, an internet type game show. I would have had to fly somewhere if I'd gotten chosen. I didn't get chosen, so that's fine. And the original idea of this podcast was not called Focus um, or anything even close to that. It was called In Pursuit of Passion. And my plan was to do interviews with people before I realized that logistically that was pretty impossible for me, especially with the schedule I keep. So uh, I would interview people who were very passionate about something, whatever it was, whether it be Magic the Gathering card game or bicycling, or photography. I, w- I wanted to interview people and kind of get their perspective on on how they feel about their trade, or their hobby, or whatever it is that they happen to apply 100% of themselves to. And it wouldn't necessarily have to be a trade or a hobby. It could just be something that you appreciate in passing. Uh, and and to watch the throwdown, I I feel myself get a little emotional with when Keith gets emotional. In fact, Kate in season two gets a little emotional that that might be a bit of a spoiler but I, i'm not telling you how the show ends and um and that was like i i didn't find myself getting choked up but i definitely had an appreciation for these people having an appreciation for this it's a very difficult question to ask people because i think we're so thrown off of the idea of having to talk about ourselves that when you say what what is it that you are passionate about what is it that that brings you to tears and in a lot of those cases someone will name something like their children or um, their their pet or something. But but uh, some other people will just say, well, I, I don't know. There's a lot of people out there who will say the answer to that is I don't know. It's, it's It was a question that I asked myself. When I saw Keith cry for the first time, uh, he was holding a pot. And and he was, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. He was holding a pot. He lifted it and then he just immediately broke down and said the weight of it and and started like you could hear his voice break and everything he was just just that moment that you know i don't think he connected to the design of the pot itself or or necessarily like how how the pot was shaped exactly but the because of the weight distribution of the pot he just knew that it was crafted in a way that was i don't know loving or um, intimate in a way, I guess if you, if you're familiar with any sort of art things, there's, there's all kinds of ways to express passion, but it just, it felt like he really connected to the soul of another person. That's, that's how I felt when I was watching him, 
uh, describe this. And, and in a lot of ways, I'm looking forward to tracking down a copy of season one. And in a lot of ways, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what happens in season three, because that's going on right now. But as a person who is driven by other people's passion, who, when, when I see someone else uh, be as passionate about something as, as I watch anything, whether it's, you know, to watch people throw their lives away for music or the pursuit of a, a world record, um, some kind of athletic thing, the perfect design pattern, whatever it is, when I see someone work meticulously at something, I can feel nothing but envy at the drive and motivation of a person who is dedicated so much to one singular thing. It's not fair to say that I don't have that in my own life. I feel that way about shooting, but not in the same vein. And it's not that shooting itself doesn't have an intimacy for me. It certainly does. But to me, it's um, a technical pursuit, more educational than, than um, performance, if that makes sense. I, I connect to it in a different way. I feel like it is my, my brain and my body working together in, in a way that, that, that kind of transcends just a, a simple, simple instruction. If you ever hear about me talking about shooting, usually I'm going to connect that conversation to Zen and um, your heart and muscle memory is something, a, a, a concept that I've fallen in love with because muscle memory to me is the most impressive thing that we do as human beings. I remember when I was younger and in uh, elementary school, I used to play basketball a lot and drove my parents crazy, my dad especially, because uh, basketball was no way to grow up. And certainly a person who wasn't going to grow up to be much taller than five foot eight was not going to make a career in the NBA, at least not in his perspective. It certainly happened a few times, but, but he's right. It, it just wasn't a realistic dream. What was interesting to me was the physics of it. I loved playing basketball because I loved the idea of how basketball worked. I got shown that basketball wasn't for me later on as I got more awkward and all of these guys started getting much more tall than I was. And they proved pretty immediately that if they didn't want me to score, they, they didn't have to let me. But in the sixth grade at um, uh, Pilot Knob Elementary School in Egan, Minnesota, I, I, knew, I learned that I could palm a basketball because my hands got really big really quickly, which is super awkward because I, th I was still like five foot two. And... Um, and I, I recognized that I could, I, I built muscle memory for three-point shots. I was very good at it. I could hit them from all over the court, including past the halfway, um, half half court mark, I, just from a regular regular throw. It wouldn't even have to be like one of those launches that you see people do across. I could really shoot a basket from a three-point line or the half-court shot without without any measure. One of the little things that I used to do was I would put my middle finger right on the little um. Uh, what what is that called? That little inflation port on the motor on the uh, motorcycle on the basketball. I I can't remember what that that is called. I'm gonna go with inflation port. But I would put my middle finger there as long as my hand uh, indexed that middle finger right on that inflation port. I had no issues sinking three point shots. And then uh, the summer happened. And while I did take the couple of months off of playing basketball because we had no way to get to the school all the time, I also forgot how to play because I had hit a little growth spurt over the course of the summer, gained myself another three or four inches, and uh, my legs and arms didn't work right. And when I got to the gym the first day at FM Grass Junior High, 
I could not hit a basket to save my life. What was very easy to do before and what, what I was certain was a, a, a 10-foot hoop. Uh, I came over to do a new, uh, to shoot at this new 10-foot hoop in this gymnasium, and every single ball I threw was a foot short of the hoop. I obsessed with this for months, trying to get that feel back. I indexed the ball correctly. I uh, went up for the shot. I even like created a little cadence for it, and it was gone. The magic was gone, and it was because I had grown in a little bit, and I hadn't developed the muscle memory the way I, I needed it to, and so all of the all of the things that were put together for that mechanical motion were they were gone. And I worked at it, and I could never get it back. And that's okay because everybody got really tall really quickly and showed me the what for. I always bring it back to shooting, but one of the reasons that shooting fascinates me is because there's um, a, a psychological component to overriding your brain's natural fear of an explosion. Um, when I hold a pistol, when I hold a rifle, when I have a shotgun, and I, um, I, I load the weapon, and I make ready, and I get ready to shoot, the timer goes off and my brain... For lack of a better word, my brain goes in overdrive. And I think only about finding the next target. And then everything else, is, it becomes a matter of muscle memory. Just like, just like I said very recently, you are what you practice. What you practice is what you will perform. And being able to see what's wrong with my technique when I uh, revisit the videos and watch what I'm doing, being able to to take, take the look at those situations and say, okay, that, that is where I can improve myself. This is where I got this wrong. This is where I need to be more aware of this problem and then go back into practice and, and kind of take care of those issues. That's what muscle memory adjustments are. We can do it on the fly. If I take a shot and I miss, I can recenter myself and put myself back into a position. I can train myself on the fly to make an adjustment. Because that's, that's where I am in my, my, um, my learning process. It's a little bit different sitting on top of a motorcycle now. I uh, just actually recently got featured on uh, um, Dan Dan the Fireman's uh, after action review um, of, of mo near, near misses and motorcycle accidents. I, I posted a video where I got into a near miss. I think I talked about this last time as well. And... Um, and he said, hey, I want to feature this in a video. I gave it to him, and it just got posted uh, yesterday. And and that, that video, I'm proud of it because it's a culmination of a lot of things that I've done that I wasn't doing before. See, those are, those are three things, two things that I'm still passionate about and one thing that I used to be. But what would make me cry today? What do I do? What do I appreciate today that would bring me to tears? I, I love movies and, um, and music. Those, those are both things that make me cry. I think, I think if I really break it down, what, what I love is good storytelling, excellent writing, a great performance. Just being in the moment allows, allows me to just lose myself to what, what's being presented. It makes my heart happy when I see um, culture being appreciated. One of the things that I love seeing is the haka. If you're familiar with Samoan culture, uh, and, and I'm, it's not one that I, I'm part of, and I would love to be, I, I really wish I could, uh, but, but if, if you're familiar with that culture, if you've ever seen the haka done, it's done pretty much at the drop of a hat at any occasion, celebrations, weddings, birthday parties, funerals, 
memorials and and every time I see it, every time I see it done with with the passion and the fury of 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 people who appreciate their culture, I, I it make it brings a tear to my eye. I'm actually tearing up right now thinking about it. And in a lot of ways, that's also storytelling. If you've been talking to me any time in the last six months, you're probably aware of my love of TikTok. And I don't make any yet. Maybe I will someday. But I think it's fascinating to see what people can do with anywhere between six seconds and a full minute to tell a story. Sometimes it's a scary story. Sometimes it's just a story that they had with a customer. Sometimes it's a story that relates to your childhood or your upbringing. But but I think, these, you know, it's, it's such an interesting slice of life. It's not to say that everybody's a masterful storyteller. In fact, I find a lot of the way that the information is presented is kind of irritating. But what's incredible is that we have a venue to do that in such an interesting way. YouTube is kind of that way, but but it's so different. And YouTube has become kind of polluted with the monetization idea. You have all these people who, who create content, honest, good content, and they can't get any attention because the algorithm doesn't push them to the front of the line because too busy um, they're, they're too busy making real educational videos, things that are, are probably going to be related to how we determine history in the future, how, how we, when we do research, we'll look over the YouTube archives and, and see, you know, how is uh, this media event portrayed and how were people reacting to this and what was wrestling like versus, you know, having to read it in the books or just kind of experiencing it yourself. You can see how people at the time were reacting to something, which is just amazing. It's mind-blowing to me. At the end of all of this soul-searching and trying to determine what it was that that I had in common with uh, KBJ, I, I realized that I, I didn't have that kind of passion for anything that I do. In a way, I do that here, but in a way, I don't. Um, I guess it's something I can work on for myself. I, I'm jealous in a way. Envious, I guess. I'm, I'm envious of, of the gift. It's a gift. The, the amount of passion that he has for something, it feels like a burden, but, but it's a gift. There's plenty of people who've laughed at him, and I'm sure he's laughed at himself plenty of times about the amount of passion that he has for that. But, but something like that is so beautiful. When, when you have the opportunity to express yourself in a way that affects yourself deep and an emotional way and affects other people in, in a deep and an emotional way, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing that's, that's so incredible to the human experience. Because what are we? There's a lot of people who think we're something special. But the truth is, we're just animals. I don't mean to make this a religion thing, but at the end of the day, we're just animals. And how do I know that? Because some of us don't function the same way. We weren't built that same way. Some of us don't, don't clear. Some of us don't, don't relate to other people. And, and to be able to affect other people to reach into their hearts and make them feel something, to share something with them. There's nothing better. Thank you for listening.